Uh, welcome everyone to the Village Church again. Uh, if, you're de- if you're visiting with us uh, for the first time, I'd again like to extend a special welcome um, to you as well. If you have your Bible, please open it to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Stewardship is not about you. Stewardship is not about how much money you make. It's not about your education. It's not about your job. It's not about where you live. It's not about your social status. It's not about your resources. It's not about your glory. It's not about your name being great, and it's not about what you're good at doing. Stewardship is first and foremost about Jesus, what he's good at, and what he has done. Not what we are, but what he is. The stewardship of Christ motivates and produces your stewardship in all things. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. That is the stewardship of Christ. That by his poverty you might become rich. The work of God's grace is what produces stewardship in your heart. That is the grace of stewardship. That's what we've been talking about the past four weeks. We've talked about stewardship as an act of grace. We talked about the benefits of stewardship. We talked about the church's role in stewardship. Last week, we talked about enthusiasm in stewardship. And today, we're going to talk about cheerfulness in stewardship. What does it mean to be a cheerful steward? So if you have your Bible, open it to 2 Corinthians 9, beginning in verse 6. Here is God's word. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also weep sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also weep bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, and his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies the seed to the sower and the bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for, for all your generosity, for which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing for your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. This is God's word. Let us pray. Lord, as we come to the preaching of your word, I, I call upon your spirit to speak through me, Lord. As I pray weekly and and all the time, I I pray that 
my need for acceptance, my need to be approved and affirmed by man would not be what gets me through this sermon. But Lord, your spirit, the spirit that lives in me, will move my pride um, to the side. It's there. I see it. So, Spirit of God, you said you would come and lead us into all truth. You remind us of the things of Christ. And I pray that you remind myself of my need of Christ. And that you would take these words and apply it to the hearts of God's people. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. A cheerful steward. What does it look like? In, in, in verses 6 through 15, he, Paul paints a, a picture of a cheerful steward for us and the Corinthians. He, there are three images that he paints, and, and we're only going to look at the first image because I couldn't put everything in this one sermon unless you want to be here till 1 o'clock. So to spare you of that, i divide the sermon up into two parts. And so we're only going to look at the first image today. And that is, a cheerful, a cheerful steward sows with blessing. A cheerful steward sows with blessing. Verses 6 and 7. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also weep sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also weep bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up his mind not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 6 here is a proverb that Paul probably has taken from passages like Job 4.8, which says, those who plow inequity and sow trouble weep the same. And also like Psalm 126, it says, those who sow tears shall weep shouts of joy. And then there's another one in Proverbs 22, 8, which says, Whoever sows injustice will weep calamity. Paul is highlighting a, a, a biblical principle of sowing and weeping. That's what he's highlighting here. These are agricultural terms that involve planting seeds and harvesting crops. For example, what a farmer sows and how a farmer sows impacts, negatively or positively, what he will weep at harvest time. Another example, an athlete. Whatever an athlete sows and how an athlete sows and his training impacts what he and she can expect to do in the field of competition. The same is true of students. How a student sows and, and, and what the student sows in the classroom will weep what they get on the report card. So this principle of sowing and weeping, here's what it means. It means this you will eventually have to face up to the consequences of your choices. That's what the principle of sowing and weeping means. Eventually, okay, who you are, your status, how much money you got, you will eventually face up to the consequences of your choices. Reverend Homer McCall once says, life is about choices, so choose wisely. Life is about choices, so choose wisely. Students, put down the iPad or iPhone, whatever you're playing with, listen to this. If you don't get anything else out of this sermon, your life is about choices. Choose wisely. Because one day, 
you will face the consequences of those choices, whether good or bad. Adults, wake up. Life is about choices. Choose wisely. We all weep what we sow. Eventually, we will sit at a banquet of consequences, whether those are good consequences or bad. Eventually, we all do. And here in our passage, Paul is taking this principle of sowing and weeping and applying it to stewardship for the Corinthians and for us. Keep in mind that the Corinthians made a promise to give financial assistance to the poor saints back in Jerusalem. They made this promise and commitment on their own accord. A year in advance, they made this promise. They reached out to Paul about giving to this benevolence fund. He didn't go to them. They wrote him a letter asking for guidance and, and direction on how they should go about collecting the money for the poor saints. And here in 2 Corinthians, he writing them, he's writing them to exhort them and to remind them to complete what you started. Finish doing what you said you were going to do. And he tells them in verse 5, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go ahead to you and to arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an extraction. He wants them to be cheerful stewards about fulfilling their promise for the poor saints back in Jerusalem. And the same is expected of us. You see, every member of our church took a vow. I know you're tired of me saying and reminding you of that, but we, we forget things, so that's why I'm going to remind you of it again. Where they took vows to, to support our church and her work and worship to the best of their ability. You made a promise. You made a commitment. And now I'm here to remind you to fulfill that commitment as a willing gift, not as something that you've been forced to do, not as something you've been made to do, but honoring what you made a commitment to do. You see, a cheerful steward, that is what Paul wants you to be as you fulfill your commitment to the church. Cheerful. He wants you in a cheerful steward, souls with blessing, as opposed to sowing sparingly. Stewardship in our context is talking about financial stewardship. That's what the context is about, financial stewardship. The Corinthians were supposed to give financially what they promised to give. But we, always, but we realize stewardship involves three things, our time, our talent, and our treasure. It ain't just our money. It's our time and our talents. And Paul's point to us and the Corinthians is that we weep what we sow in stewardship. We weep what we sow. If you sow sparingly, you should expect to weep sparingly. The Greek term for sparingly, sparingly means cheap, stingy, tight-fisted. And so if I so cheaply, I'm going to weep cheaply. I know this is countercultural to the growing trend in our society because in our society today, people want to sow as little as possible, but also expect to weep as much as possible. I want to give a little, but I also expect a whole bunch in return. It doesn't work that way. What happens to a farmer if he doesn't prep his soil? What happens to the farmer if he doesn't cultivate the soil that he sows his seed in? Is he going to, should he expect a good crop? Should he? No, he shouldn't. And what happens now if a farmer sows corn? Should he expect tomatoes? No, he should expect corn. 
Now, if a student doesn't study, doesn't do his homework, now, should you be surprised if you get Fs? Should you? Or, or, or did the teacher wrong you? Who wronged you? wronged yourself because you sold cheaply. Spouses, now, if you sold cheaply in your marriage, should you expect to have a good marriage? You should expect to have a cheap one. You weep what you sow. Students, teens, if you sow cheaply when it comes to listening to your parents, obeying what they ask you to do, what should you expect to get in return? You weep what you sow in life. Bottom line, the same is true with stewardship inside the church. Now, if you get mad about this, you've got to go with Jesus. Okay? Don't, don't get mad with me. Go to Jesus. The same is true when it comes to stewardship inside the church. If you sow your time cheaply, if you sow your talent cheaply, if you sow your treasures cheaply, then you should expect to reap the same in return. But if you sow bountifully, you will also weep bountifully. The literal translation for the Greek term bountifully is this, with blessing. That's what that term means, bountifully. It means with blessing. Whoever sows with blessing will also weep with blessing. And here's the thing, sowing with blessing means you sowing with the best interests of others in mind. It's you sowing freely and generously to bless others without expecting anything in return. And that's a blessing. That's sowing with blessing, not expecting anything in return. It's not you scratch my back, I scratch your back. It's not you saying, what's in it for me? What do I get out of this, pastor? This is you sowing with blessing for the benefit of others. And remember, stewardship is not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about what we get out of it. We are not to sow with our time and our talents and our treasures into the church and the things of God for sinful purposes. We are to sow with blessings for the purpose to bless. This may mean you may have to go to a family member's house or a friend's house late at night because they need your emotional support. It could mean that. It may mean you may have to give up something you want to do because your spouse and your family need your time. It may mean you may have to help out someone financially. It may mean giving over and beyond your tithe because the church needs financial support. And you do all of this without expecting anything in return. Stewardship of our time, stewardship of our talents and our treasure it's not consumerism. It's not consumerism. Now, that's different from the culture we live in. It's not consumerism. It's not what you get out of it. It's kingdomism. God's kingdom. And he wants his people and all of us to live and operate within his kingdom on his terms. And his kingdom is not Wall Street. It's Surrender Street. At the foot of the cross, you surrender all you got. All your treasure, all your talent, all your money, you surrender it to him. All to Jesus you surrender, all to him you freely give. We're saying to him, but do we believe it? All to him I surrender, all to him I freely give. This means that my time and my talents and my treasure is not exclusively, exclusively mine. It doesn't just belong to me. It actually belongs to Jesus. But do we believe that? 
in you know, the culture that we live in, we, it's hard for us to think that way and live that way. Because as Americans, we, 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 we tie up our shoes and we hard workers. We work for what we get. But do we honestly think that America is where she is just because we're America? Do you think you have all you have just because you work harder? Because if God did not bless you with the time, the talents, and the treasures, you have nothing. Who is actually in control? Who is actually the boss? Who is actually the king? Jesus. And what happens if he removes his hand from you? What's going to happen to that time? What's going to happen to that talent? What's going to happen to that treasure? You won't have any. None of it. The God who blesses us with these things, he wants us to sow those things with blessing, not cheaply. I had an enlightened moment this week. That happens sometimes, a lot. I, in a conversation I had with a friend, you know, we, got, we started talking about this 2080 rule in churches. I'm pretty sure everyone knows the 2080 rule, right? 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And the person I was meeting with made an excellent point. She said, people should, not, people should seek to be 20% in something. You can't be the 20% in everything. You know what? She was right. None of us can be the 20% in everything. That is foolish and unwise to do so. But we can be the 20% in something. The question is, are you the 20% in something? What are you the 20% in? I've given up this hope that we're going to have a church where everyone does everything. That's just not going to happen. But you can be the 20% in something. What is it? You have to give that some thought. You have to pray about that. Seek God's wisdom about where you're going to spend your time and your talents and your treasure. And this is the point that Paul is making in verse 7, where he says in verse 7, each one must give as he has made up his mind. Each one must give as he has made up his mind. As he has made up his mind. He is telling the Corinthians that you must exercise some type of wisdom and discernment when it comes to what you sow and how you sow. The pastor can't tell you. I can't tell you how to sow your time, your talent, your treasure. That is between you and Jesus on what that looks like for you and your family. It would be wrong of me to do that. Because I don't want you doing that to me. Don't approach stewardship foolishly and unwisely. You must give it some thought. You must think about it. You must pray about it. In the Greek term for decide, you know what that means? Do you know what that term means? Decide beforehand. That's what that term means. Decide beforehand. Determine ahead of time how much you're going to give of your time, your talent, and your treasure. Just don't give it. Give it some thought. Talk, talk about it with your spouse. What does this look like for our family? You have to be intentional about stewardship, about how you're going to approach it. Give some thought and design to stewardship before you actually start participating in it. Have you decided beforehand on what you're going to give of these things? There has to be a heart decision, a conviction behind it. You sow what you have decided to sow in your heart. So the question is, have you decided to sow in your heart? Have you decided to sow of your time, your talent, your treasure? What does that look like for you and your family? I encourage all of you this week, individually and as a family, to prayerfully give thought to what this means for your particular family. 
And it's going to look different from person to person, from family to family. But we all must be intentional about it. We all must make it a priority. And that gets us back to the three C's that I mentioned last week. Call, conviction, consistency. Sow what God has called you to sow. Do you even know? What has God called you to sow when it comes to your time, talent, and treasure? Have you even asked him? And, and also, do you have a conviction to do it with humility? And have you prayed to the Spirit to help, to help you be consistent in doing it? That's, what it? that's what it means. In what area of our church are you the 20%? Is it in the nursery, the children ministry, the youth, the adult ministry, the Sunday equipping classes, Wednesday nights, the soundboard, hospitality, shepherding and care, community development, tithes and offerings, you know, which area? Again, I can't go to you and tell you what area. It's between you and the Lord. And Paul wants you to give in stewardship, not reluctantly or under compulsion. That's huge. Because sometimes you can give of things, but have a bad attitude about doing it. A friend of mine told me a story um, well, Mark told me a story of a time when a guy came down to the village and he wanted to give money. And he told Mark, I can write you a million dollars right now. Just tell me what you want me to write. I can write it right now. You know what Mark told him? I want it. You know why he told him that? Because his heart wasn't right. Now, you got to have some, a lot of faith in Jesus to turn down that kind of type of money. <laughs> but... But Mark's point was right. His heart was not right. He, wasn't, he didn't have the right attitude about giving because he was going to give with strings attached. That's what he was going to give for. So we give of our time and talent, but not reluctantly, not on a compulsion. That means don't give out of sorrow. Don't give out of distress. Don't give out of regret. Don't give because you've been forced to give out of obligation. But give out of cheerfulness because God loves a cheerful giver. Are you that type of giver of your time, your talent, your treasure? Or do you give out of anger? I do it, but I ain't going to like it. I give, but I ain't going to like it. I'll serve, but I ain't going to like it. <laughs> Where are you? Song with blessings. If you, if you believe that your time and talent and treasure actually belong to you, then you will be stingy with them. If you actually think those things belong to you, you will be stingy. You won't sow a blessing if you believe you are the only reason why you got them. Because of my goodness, because of my education, because of my last name. I work hard for what I get, then I determine how I'm going to use it. That's not what scriptures say. Jesus says, I want you to sow with blessing, not cheaply. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, preacher, man, pastor, what are you telling me to do here? I mean, how are you telling me I need to sow these things with blessings and not expect anything in return? That is not a wise investment, preacher, man. Have you lost your mind? Why should I consider doing these things? I work hard for what I get. I, worked, I went to school for, to get to what I, where I am. I did all these things. Now, why should I give 
of my time and my talent and my treasure would I expect anything in return? Why would I do that? Preacher man, since you know all about these things, won't you tell me, preacher man? Here's the reason why you should sow this way. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. That's why. For you know, if you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, yet for your sake, think about that, your sake, he became poor. How did he become poor? He went to the cross for you. So that by his poverty, his death, you might become rich. You see, American Christians don't realize that, that, that we live on kingdom assistance, i.e. welfare. And we don't think like that, but we do. Because without God's welfare plan, guess what? You won't have a ground to stand on. Do you think you would get in without it? Do you think you can get into his kingdom without that plan? Do you think you can stand before the gates and say, I was good, I helped people, I tutored, I worked with the poor people, I gave to the hungry kids in Africa, look what I did. You know what he's going to say? Not good enough. Here's what he's going to tell you. Why isn't it good enough? Because you're still stained with sin. His only plan for you is Jesus. That's the plan. That's the plan that you all are on, that I'm on. And without it, I ain't got a ground to stand on. That's it. The stewardship of Christ should motivate your stewardship. You sow it blessing because he did the same for you. Why you were his enemy? We seem to forget about that. I was God's enemy. Do you know what that means? Enemy? You wasn't his friend. You wasn't one foot in, one foot out. You were all the way out. You hated him. You cursed him. You didn't want to have anything to do with him. That's an enemy. You wished him harm. You wished he didn't exist. Enemy. And yet, he died for you. We think Jesus died for a little bit of sin. We think Jesus died because uh, we had a little bit of sin. We had a whole bunch of sin. That's what he died for. He came in the world to save sinners. And that's us. That's you. That's me. Before the throne of God above, people, you have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love. Whoever lives and pleads for you, your name is graven on his hand. Does that mean, does that mean anything to you? Your name is written on his heart. Does that mean anything to you? Or is it just words? I want you to look up, see him there. The one who made an end to all your sin. Not you, not your goodness, him. And you bear them no more. Now, if that does not move you to sow your stuff with blessing, then guess what? Nothing all God's creation will. I hope you realize that. If what Jesus has done for you is not enough, to motivate you to sow your time, your talent, your treasures with blessings, guess what? I ain't got nothing else for you. I ain't got nothing else to say to you. 
if that doesn't move you to do it. Because it may mean you might not know him. If that doesn't move you, you may not know him. Or you may need to go to him and repent of some stuff. I'm a firm believer that the Holy Spirit is the one that moves us into the things of God. And he is the one who's going to move you in stewardship to the things of God. Because I can preach, I can get loud, I can get low, but that doesn't change hearts. The Spirit of God does. And that's my prayer for myself and for you. So let us pray. Father God, I pray that you, the one who made an end to all of our sin, that the stewardship of Christ, Lord, what he did for us, that would be what motivates us, empower us, Lord. And I pray that for my own heart, for my own family, when it comes to our time and our talents and, and our treasure, that you will help and empower us to sow them with blessing without expecting anything in return. And I pray that prayer for all of our families and individuals that are here, that your spirit will do the same in their hearts, that they will sow with blessing without expecting anything in return. And that's going to look different from family to family and from person to person. But I pray that you help us to be intentional about it and to help us to give prayerful consideration to what those things mean in our life. And I pray for this in your son's name. Amen. Let us stand.